Who has seen the movie Mary Poppins? Has anybody seen the adorable movie Mary Poppins? It's pretty cute. It's an old classic, Disney classic, about this family, the Banks family, where these two parents, they're kind of on the wealthier end. They're really, really busy, right? And so their two kids, Jane and Michael, need a sitter because parents are working, they're doing their things, and so they need this sitter. And you might know the name of the sitter. Her name is Mary Poppins. She steps in to fill in this role for the family. And kids have no idea what um, their parents just signed up for, right? They're thinking, you know, they can do their thing. They can get away with their stuff. Sitter's not going to notice. We can just have fun. Don't have to worry about anything. But the first thing that happens is you might remember this scene where um, the kids want to play. They want to do some things. And she says, no, no, no. We need to tidy up the nursery. And as you can imagine, these two kids are not super excited about that. They're like, I want to play. I want to have fun. I don't want to get to work right now. But of course, Mary Poppins in her very charming personality, sweet personality, she gets the kids, encourages the kids to get to work. And she does it by singing this song. Maybe you guys have heard of. Here's the lyrics to it. She says, you see in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. And every task you undertake, see, I'm going to start singing. <laughs> and every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. You might know that song. Maybe you've heard of it before. Um, but obviously Mary Poppins and her sweet personality, her sweet charm gets these kids to be dancing around and now they're cleaning and they're enjoying it. It's like, how did she do that? Um, she does a really good job at getting them to see this hard task called work as a good thing. And obviously, we don't have a Mary Poppins that's like hopping around singing, you know, in your home, encouraging you to do your work, encouraging you to do your chores. We may not have that. However, we can clearly learn from good examples, good workers to do this hard thing called work. And so tonight in our text, we're going to look at a great example from scripture. In Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to see this example of this model that is a hard worker. And it's not actually what you expect. This isn't even a person. This model is actually a little critter. It's a little creature. And that is our friend, the ant. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to learn from this ant on how to work. How should we work? We have spent a lot of time at our girls' workshops in the book of Proverbs. And um, you might know this book of Proverbs is written by King Solomon. Um, and the whole purpose of the book is to know wisdom and instruction, right? It's not just to know a bunch of stuff and to not do anything with it, but it's to apply these things that you learn, this wisdom that you learn. And so Proverbs 6 Starting in verse 6, we're going to be looking at what King Solomon says about work. So start with me in verse 6. It says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want 
like an armed man. And so King Solomon wrote this proverb to teach a lesson about work, right? There's some great lessons that we can learn from this little ant, this little creature. And this lesson, it's all based on the ant, right? It's all from this little example of this little tiny thing that you have definitely seen if you live in Southern California or any part of the world. Ants are just everywhere, right? Um, And if you're a person that's in Israel reading this proverb, It's a little bit humiliating if you're having this read to, if somebody's rebuking you with this text, it's a little bit humiliating. It's kind of like if you were to say, um, you know, let's say you want to go to school. You want to be a nurse or you want to be a doctor or you want to be a teacher, but someone were to stop you and say, I know you want to go to school. I know you want to get into Biola, but you're not ready for that. You need to study ants. You'd be like, Ants? Are you kidding me? Like, no, I'm ready. I have waited my whole life for this. I am ready to do nursing. I'm ready to be a teacher. But no, no, no. Somebody's stopping you in your tracks and saying, no, you need to go to ant school. I'm sorry. You need to learn a little bit about ants. It's kind of humbling, right? A little bit humiliating. Um, And so Solomon is saying that these ants, they know better. They know better than this slugger. He needs to humble himself and learn from this example. And this ant is a great example for us to look at. And so if we want to grow in wisdom, if we want to grow in this thing called wisdom, we need to look at the ant's example of her work ethic so that we can work as God intends us to. And so for point number one, write it down this way. We need to learn to work like the ant. Learn to work like the ant. And as I mentioned, if you live in any part of the world, you have seen ants. (laughs) Maybe some of you guys have ants in your house right now. They just find a way to get into everything, right? Whether it's your trash can or it's your bathroom or they're just crawling right outside your house. They are pretty annoying. They can be pretty annoying. Um, Maybe you've had to set up those ant traps I know I've had to do that before. It's not super fun. They just get into everything. And as annoying as they can be, I want us to stop and consider ants for just a second. Let's just appreciate these tiny little creatures that God made and how amazing it is, how amazing they are. For one thing, did you know that ants can lift up to 20 pounds their own weight? Up to 20 pounds their own weight. So let's say that you're about 100 pounds, maybe 90 pounds. Um, that would mean you are carrying like 2,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds. Like that's pretty impressive. These ants make it look like it's no joke. It's, you know, it's totally easy. It's no big deal for them, you know. Don't have to put in too much work. That is a hard thing. That is not an easy thing, but ants make it look like it is. Another thing is that ants don't have ears. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Ants actually don't have ears. Um, How they hear is by feeling the vibration in the ground through their feet. So when they're like, you know, chatting with their friends, whatever, they're, I don't know if they can actually talk, but <laughs> maybe they can't. But how they hear is through these little vibrations. Kind of crazy. Another thing I thought was interesting is when they're searching for food, they leave behind this invisible chemical so that it helps their friends, the other ants, to move from the food source to their nest. Kind of insane, right? This Tiny chemical, you can't see it, obviously. It's so uh, microscopic, but it's amazing how God made these little critters. And obviously, those are some cool facts. You know, maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you did know that. Maybe you went to ant school. I don't know. (laughs) But um, 
Most importantly, what are ants known for? Well, they're known for being really hard workers. Ants work really, really hard. They don't stop working. They just keep going, going, going. And in these verses, there's a lot that we can gather from that example of the ant. And so what can we learn? What can we learn from this example of the ant? Well, for letter A, we learn that she is self-disciplined. The ant, she is self-disciplined. In verse 7, it says, Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And so the chief officer and ruler, you might be like, what is that? Well, these three titles were basically to describe some sort of manager, overseer, some kind of authority that's over you, right? And so for you, this might look like your parent. It might look like a coach. It might look like a teacher. But this person that is over you, that has this authority. And I want you guys to imagine for a minute that you're on the cross-country team. Does anybody in the room do cross-country? Maybe not? Track and field? Any of that kind of stuff? You run? Maybe here and there. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, respect to those who do it. I don't know how you do it. But imagine that you're on the team, right? And you're in this race and you're running. And it's just such a gorgeous day outside. You know, you're doing like the top of the world kind of thing. And so you got these beautiful views and you just keep stopping and you're like, man, this is kind of good lighting. Like my hair looks kind of nice in this. Like, let's take a selfie. Let's stop. Let's, let's, we'll get back to the race in a minute. Let's take a selfie. Oh, look at the ocean. Wow. It's really showing today. Okay. I'll, I'll be right back team. Let's, let's, let's take a photo again. And you just keep getting distracted and you stop running. Well, your coach is obviously going to be super frustrated. Like, this gal just won't run. I have to get after her, like, every 10 seconds. I'm just reminding her, like, run. This is what you signed up for. You're supposed to be running. Well, this aunt, she is the total opposite. She is the opposite of that girl on the track and field team or the cross-country team. She is already running. She doesn't need her coach to get after her and check if she is actually running, if she's being productive. She is self-motivated. She is self-disciplined to get the work done. She's capable. She makes it happen. When she has that self-control to get the work done, she gets it done. She signed up for this. She's going to finish the race. And many of you have zero motivation to get work done. When it comes to work, you see it as more of something that you'd rather procrastinate with. I'd rather get to it later. I don't want to do right now. That's really hard. That's burdensome. I'm not a fan of work. You would rather wait so long to do your work that hopefully it falls on somebody else's shoulders so that you don't have to do it. And maybe it gets tossed to your siblings or your mom says, you know what, I'll just do it. And that's the wrong attitude when it comes to work. We want to be self-disciplined to get it done. Maybe you would rather be reminded to get your work done because you want to scroll a little bit longer on Instagram or you just don't think it's all that important. You don't have to do it right then and there. You have to see it as this thing that's good, that it's a good thing to get the job done. Because this is not the ant. She's not making up excuses. She's not waiting till the last second to get her work done. Instead, instead the ant, she takes ownership of her work. She sees her work as a privilege, as this God-given responsibility for her to accomplish, that God has entrusted to her so that she can glorify him in that work. And when God sees her work, she's, he is pleased with it because she is hardworking. She is self-determined. She is self-motivated, self-discipled. 
um, to get this thing done. And we see in Proverbs 20, verse 4, Proverbs 20, verse 4, talks again about the sluggard. It says, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. And so when he should be working, he's not plowing. He's resting, he's relaxing, he's doing his thing. He's like, I'll do it later. I'll get to it later. No big deal, right? Well, then at harvest, guess what? He has nothing. When COVID hit, he was like that guy who had no toilet paper. He was down to the last roll. He ran out because he wasn't ready. He was not self-disciplined to get the job done. And on the flip side, we see this positive example of the Proverbs 31 woman. In Proverbs 31, 15 through 18, this godly woman, this godly example, verses 15 through 18, it says, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. You see this Proverbs 31 woman, she is hard working. She is self-disciplined to get the job done. Her family can rely on her. Her family can trust her because when she signs up for something, she's going to do it. She's going to follow through. She's going to accomplish that task. She is self-disciplined. We also see in verse 8 that the ant is hardworking. She is hardworking. That's our second subpoint. In verse 8, it says, She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And so when most of the creatures are resting, kind of chilling, it's nice weather, they're getting their tan on, you know, at the beach, she's working. She's getting the job done, preparing for the cold season, preparing for when it's time to be at home. She's got the toilet paper ready to go. It doesn't matter if COVID hit, she's got it ready. It's, it's ready there in her garage, right? This ant, she is ready to to go. She's hardworking. She's willing to get the job done. And so when something is really hard, let's say she signed up for a task that's harder than she thought it was, she doesn't give up. She keeps going. She doesn't give up when something is tiring. She is hardworking. And when something is really that tiring, she doesn't complain about it either because she is determined to provide for her household, to provide for her family, for her flock. And I don't know if ants sweat, but even if she is sweating, it doesn't seem like it's bothering her, right? The ant just keeps going. You never see the ant stop, right? When do you ever see an ant not moving? They're always go, 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 right? Same with this gal. She is hard working. And see, many of you don't work very hard at all. Maybe when it comes to work, you give it your 10%, maybe even your 50%. But 100%, yeah, that's kind of asking a lot. You would rather not work that hard. You would rather put in your little bit, your little percentage. And maybe you see work as more of a obstacle. Maybe work is the thing that's getting in the way of the fun, right? It's the thing that always gets in the way and it's just such a, dr a drudge. You don't like it. Um, maybe it comes to the point where you start sinning because you don't like work. You'll start cutting corners. When it comes to homework, it's really hard to study for that test. You know, I just don't understand chemistry. I just don't understand math. And so I'll just look up the answer online and cheat. You'd rather just cheat. You'd rather just cut corners. That is not the right work ethic. That is a problem. That is a sin. 
Maybe it's that you signed up for something that was harder than you thought it would be. Maybe it was that sports team. Maybe it was that thing at school. Maybe it was that thing at church. And it was a lot harder than you thought it was. And so you just quit. You just give up. You just throw in the towel and say, oh, maybe next year. Maybe, maybe I'll try to find something a little bit easier. When the work gets too hard, you try to find these excuses. Maybe you're that person that just tries to find excuses for why you quit, why you gave up. And maybe you even give excuses that are lies, that you make it sound like it's this good moral reason of why you can't do X, Y, and Z at church. But in reality, it was just too tiring. It was just too much work. It was just not what you thought it would be. And so you gave up. See, this is not the ant. The ant, this example, she is willing to give it all she's got. She is hard working. She is diligent to get her work done. And ultimately, she's willing to work hard because she knows who she's serving in the end. She knows that these tasks, these things, she's not just serving her parents, her teachers, her coaches, these authorities, but she's serving God. Ultimately, she knows that God is the one who sees her work and will reward her for that. Ecclesiastes 9.10, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. It doesn't say, whatever your hand finds to do, give it a shot. <laughs> Try it. If you don't like it, give up. It says, do it with your might. Give it your all. Give it that hard work like we see this example of the ant. And a familiar passage, you might have memorized it. Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And so we know in our efforts, like that example of the ant, she's not just serving her friends, her teacher, her parents, these authorities, but ultimately she's serving God and that's what motivates her to do the hard work. And so do the hard work. You can do it. If you are serving God and ultimately he is the one who's going to reward you for that hard work, do it with all your might, like Ecclesiastes says. Do it with all your might. Work hard. Lastly, we see the example of the ant that she is a planner. She is a planner. This ant, a friend of ours, is a planner. She thinks ahead of the schedule. She's thoughtful. She is not um, frazzled when she comes into a hard season, a hard time. She was already ready to go because she didn't procrastinate. She makes the best use of her time while she has it because she knows that she is serving God ultimately. And during a season of rest, like we talked about that summertime season, she's working. She's prepping for her family. Her family can trust her. Her family is not going to be slacking, going to be in need because she planned it out. And see, many of you in this room wait till the last minute to get things done. You procrastinate. That one word that you all have heard before, procrastination. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are that person that waits till the last second to get things done. And so you kind of just wing it, right? You um, didn't finish your homework on time, let's say. Didn't finish your homework on time. And so you come up for excuses of why you didn't. Maybe it was just that you legit forgot. But you say, oh, yeah, we had that? I didn't know that there was work. Maybe you kind of lie a little bit in order to excuse yourself from not getting that work done. 
Maybe it's that you sleep in and give yourself like five minutes to study for that test that was coming up. And you knew it was a hard test. You knew that it was going to be difficult, but you waited till the last minute. And of course you failed. You didn't do really well at the test because you didn't give it your all. You didn't plan ahead. Maybe you set yourself up for failure just because you weren't ready. You weren't ready for that task. You weren't ready for that thing that you needed to do. But you see the ant, she is the opposite. She is ready to go. She is ahead of the game. She is already prepped. She's got her meal prepped for the week. She's got her things ready to go. The snacks, they're all lined up. She is on the go. She is ready to go for her family. And maybe you guys know what this is like, but do any of you guys have those moms or know those moms that it just seems like they have everything in their purse? Like, their purse is maybe the size of like a bowling bag. It's just like massive. And they have everything inside of there. It's like they're prepped for whatever is going to happen. Well, this was totally my mom growing up. And I don't know how she did it because that thing was heavy. But it seemed like she always had everything that I needed. I was never like struggling or, you know, out of something because, hey, guess what? Mom had it in her purse. If I was hungry, needed a snack, she's like, okay, what you need? I got the gummies. I got the this. I got the that. It ended up being granola bars most of the time. It wasn't like she was giving me candy all the time or whatever, (laughs) but she always had a snack ready to go. You know, if I was thirsty, if I needed some water, she's like, boom, got my water bottle. And I brought an extra one just in case because I knew you were going to ask. Like She was just ready. She was prepped. Maybe, you know, I bumped my knee and, you know, kids get hurt all the time, right? And so I asked for a Band-Aid and she's like, which, which one you need? I got three different kinds. I got the waterproof, I got the little pony one, and I got the normal one. Like, <laughs> which one do you want? These moms, they're just awesome, right? They got everything ready to go in that purse because they prepped, because they planned. And this is totally the ant. This is our friend, the ant, that she is prepped for any season that comes. She's ready to go if that kid gets hurt, if you get hungry, if you need a snack, if you need whatever. She is prepped because she planned it ahead. She's not scrambling. She's not frazzled. None of that stuff because she didn't wait till the last minute. And in Proverbs 31, looking at that Proverbs 31 woman again, in verse 21, Proverbs 31, 21, it says, she is not afraid of snow for her household for all her household are clothed in scarlet. And so when it comes, when all of a sudden the, the snow comes in and, you know, it's super cold outside, well, guess what? Proverbs 31 woman, she's already got her kids clothed in the best apparel, in the best jackets, that thick clothing, that scarlet material, because she planned, because she prepped, she was ready for this. In Proverbs 21.5, Proverbs 21.5, it says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And so if you aren't planning these things out, if you're last minute, if you're procrastinating, it's going to be a struggle. You are not going to be in a place that you want to be. An example, we obviously can learn a whole lot from her example, right? She's a great example of a hard worker, a self-disciplined person, a planner. And the sluggard, on the other hand, we know that he's just the epitome of laziness. He is laziness. He is this example of laziness. You don't want to be him. And our passage goes on to correct the sluggard, correct this lazy person. So let's go ahead and look at verse 9. Verse 9, Proverbs 6, verse 9. It says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And so the sluggard, he clearly hates work. He's thrown out whatever excuse he can to avoid it. He's just like, I don't want to work. I don't want to do it right now. I'm not into it. No, thank you. He's trying to come up with whatever he can. And if you and I want to start working like this ant, like this example of an ant, then we got to stop making excuses. We got to quit making the excuses. And that is our second point. Quit making excuses. Our passage shows the laziness of the sluggard. He's obviously really, really lazy. Um, He just refuses to get up. He's just tossing and turning in bed. He's just not into the whole like getting up for the day, being a human being kind of thing. He just wants to do his own thing. He just wants to live comfortably. He'd rather just sleep in. And he obviously uses a lot of lame excuses to do that too. And I was reading this article this week. Uh, it's titled this. It actually cracked me up. The most ridiculous excuses people have used to call in sick. And so calling in sick, right? That they're using their sick time at work. They're like, I'm not going to show up at the office today because X, Y, and Z. And these are some of the ridiculous people, the ridiculous examples that people have actually used so that they don't have to go to work. Listen to a few. Employee called in sick because her cat was stuck inside the dashboard of her car. That's what I said. I was kind of like, wait, why was your cat in the car? Like, were you bringing them to work? Was it like, bring your cat to work day? Like, I don't even know how it ended up in there. Kind of weird, right? Um, Another one. It said, employee called in sick because he was kicked by a llama and suffered a broken leg as a result. (laughs) It's like... Was he hanging out at Zumar's? Like, what, what are these llamas doing around the area? I don't even know how that, how that happens, but lame excuse, right? Hopefully the boss didn't believe it. Employee called in sick, my favorite one, because he broke his arm while catching a falling sandwich. <laughs> like, legit. <laughs> Did his arm actually break? I sure hope that this isn't real, to be honest, because, I mean, I don't think any of you broke your arm catching a sandwich outside over there. Or would you even do that? Probably not. But these are obviously super lame excuses. Lame excuses that people like to use to avoid getting work done, avoid doing hard things. And you and I can obviously find excuses too. That sluggard, that bad example, that guy who's just full of lame excuses, we can be susceptible to doing the very same thing right? Avoiding work. Why I can't? Why I can never get anything done? And you see this sluggard, this example of a lazy person, because he's always making up excuses, he actually never even gets any work done. If you think about that, if you're like the sluggard and you're always throwing out excuses, you're always avoiding work, you're cutting corners, you're going to end up doing nothing. Literally, you're just not going to be productive. You're just going to be sleeping in, being useless, not being helpful at all. And you don't want to be that sluggard. And in our passage, um, it actually shows us where the sluggard ends up. In Proverbs 6, verse 10 through 11, it says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And so where does this guy end up? He ends up in poverty. He's actually got nothing. Now he's like this poor man that's out on the streets with nothing, all because he didn't work. See what these bad consequences will lead you to when you don't work? There will be bad consequences, and you don't want to suffer those consequences. You don't want to be that sluggard. 
And so to guard ourselves from the same kind of thinking, we got to guard ourselves against any kind of excuses we make to get work done, to accomplish those tasks. And so what are some of those excuses that you might use? What are some of those excuses we can use to avoid work? And what does the Bible say about those excuses that we might make? Well, for one, one excuse you might use is, I can do it later. The good old, I can do it later, you know how that goes. It does not go very well. If you are honest, you probably would know that it either doesn't get done or it's a pretty lame job. You didn't actually accomplish it or you spent this much time on it get like you were supposed to. Think of your Bible reading, right? Maybe it was the good old, I can do it later with your Bible reading. And how did that go? Maybe some of you used that excuse this morning that you said, I can do it later. I will do my Bible reading later. And how did that go? Did you actually get it done? Did you spend that time like you wanted to in the word of God or did it not happen? Odds are it didn't happen or it didn't happen very well. That can be an excuse we can use. Maybe it's with your chores. Maybe it's with the responsibilities around the house that you said, I can do it later. And next thing you know, it's the next day and you still haven't done it. And your parents ask you again and they're frustrated and you don't want this to be you. You do not want this to be you. Um, and maybe it's your homework too, like we talked about earlier, right? That you avoid doing it. You avoid finishing the homework. You avoid studying for the test. And of course, you're going to suffer bad consequences for that because you didn't put in the effort. You didn't put in the work as you were supposed to. And it's no problem getting done what you need to get done, right? You have the time to scroll on Instagram. You have the time to get ready for the day. You have the time to hang out with your friends. But when it comes to hard work, you just don't want to do it. You just push it to the side. You just say, no, I can do it later. This is an excuse we can all use. And so we have to guard ourselves from this kind of thinking. We got to start to remember that this is one of the greatest lies we can tell ourselves. I can do it later. It's just a lie. It doesn't happen. I can do it later. It just really doesn't happen. So don't believe that excuse. Don't believe that lie. In Proverbs 18, verse 9, Proverbs 18, verse 9, it says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. And so this slacker, this person who is just not about work, just pushing it off, it just leads to bad things, right? That he is a bad example, that he's like a brother to a person that destroys. He's just not a person that you want to be hanging around, what you, you, know, you want your kids to be hanging out with. This is not that, that kind of a person. Um, and so guard yourself from those excuses. Don't believe the excuse that you can do it later because odds are you cannot. Another excuse you might use is, I just want to sleep in a little bit longer. I just want to sleep in. So you don't understand, Alexandra. I need my eight hours of sleep. I need my eight hours. And if I get seven hours and 59 minutes, I'm just a wreck. I need that sleep. And if it doesn't happen, I can't function. My brain's really foggy and this or that. Maybe it's the good old, I just need a little bit more sleep. Maybe that's the excuse that you're using. And I think the problem is that oftentimes we overprioritize sleep. We overprioritize it as this thing, like if it's not perfect, then how can I work? How can I get this done? Or you blame it on the sleep. You blame it on the rest. And I'm not saying that you should be getting two hours of sleep a night and be able to function the next day. Obviously not. Obviously you need rest. But to say that you need your perfect eight, nine hours of rest 
It's a little bit ridiculous, you guys. Don't over-prioritize sleep because there are things to get done. And maybe you miss out on opportunities, um, whether that's with your family, whether that's in your spiritual life, whether that's just in growing as an individual in general, that you don't do these things because you just love sleep and you're always sleeping in. Maybe you miss out with that time with your family in the morning because you chose to sleep in and you never get to hang out with them. And it's like, go to school, do your thing, come home, see them, good night. And it's just go, 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 go. Maybe it's that you missed out on that. Maybe it's that you missed out on your quiet time, as we were talking about earlier, that you pushed it to the side, you, ra- you chose to, ra- to sleep, rather, um, and now you have no time to do your quiet time. Now you have no time to read the Bible, to pray, to talk to God, to memorize these scriptures. Maybe that's what you're missing out on. And so what's the solution? What's the solution? How do we get rid of this excuse? How do we avoid this excuse? Well, you need to get up. <laughs> you just need to get up. That is the solution. When the alarm goes up, goes off, you are up. You are getting out of bed. You are getting to these things because you need to, because otherwise things are going to suffer. Things are going to suffer because you didn't get to your work. And in Proverbs 20, verse 13, Proverbs 20, verse 13, it says, love not sleep. Hear that again. That's like, whoa, contrary to the world's perspective, right? Love not sleep. You're not supposed to love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. I love how it says it, like open your eyes, like get up, come on, wake up, loser. It's like, get up. You need to get to this thing called work. Um, And just so many of us, I think, have a tainted view, have a wrong view of sleep. We don't work to sleep. We don't work to rest. But we, wait, let's think for a second. No, I said that backwards. (laughs) Hold that thought. We don't rest to work. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. We don't rest to work, which is contrary to what the world might say, right? That you get a lot done. You do those things so that you can enjoy the weekend, so that you can rest, so that you can have fun and do your thing. No, that's the opposite perspective. The ant's perspective, the proverb's perspective is to not love sleep. We don't rest to work. Did I say that backwards again? I think I might have. Let's, besides the point, you understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> love, not sleep. We need to be careful and not over-prioritize this thing called sleep. Another proverb on that. Proverb 19, verse 15. Proverb 19, verse 15. It says, slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. And so like we were talking about that family situation, right? That if you are that slothful person that is just not working, not prepping, not getting these things done in advance, then you're going to suffer in the end. And think about it in the future perspective, right? When God willing, you have a family, you have a husband, you have a job, you have these responsibilities. You can't just be a lazy employee and expect to not get bad consequences, right? That might end up you, you might end up losing your job because you were lazy. You might end up causing some family conflict because you didn't get to the thing you signed up for. Start with these things now. Today is the day that we learn to work, to do this thing called work, to quit making those excuses like we often do. And Proverbs 24, 33, Proverbs 24, 33, it repeats the same thing that's in our passage. King Solomon says it again in the book. He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, 
a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. And I just love how the verse says it, that it's just a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Instead of your hands working, instead of your hands getting productive things done, you're resting, you're folding them, but it's just a little bit, a little bit. And you see how those small compromises, those little justifications can end you up in poverty, can end you up in these bad situations that you don't want to be in. Don't love sleep. Don't overprioritize these things. Don't make that excuse. And another excuse you might make is what I'm doing right now is more important. What I'm doing right now is more important. Maybe you've used that excuse before. And oftentimes it's because you just want to avoid it. And so you're using whatever excuse you can. But maybe it's that you really just wanted to catch up on your feed. You just want to scroll on Instagram a little bit and then I'll get to the hard thing. Or maybe it's that you were talking to a friend and you know you wanted to make sure that you had that time together, got to FaceTime, got to catch up on your Snapchat. Or maybe it's that you just want to read a book. Honestly, it might not even be a sinful thing. Maybe it's that you want to do something fun. You want to do something good. And it's not necessarily sinful, but the problem is that if your priorities aren't straight, if your priorities aren't right, and you're neglecting your work, then this is laziness. And laziness, as we know, and as scripture has clearly showed us tonight, is a sin. Laziness is a sin. While the world might puff it up and make it seem like no big deal, everybody can just do their own thing, <sighs> prioritize themselves, prioritize their time. Scripture says this idle person is worthless, that they are just being useless. They could be so productive if they just put the work in. And so what you're doing right now, maybe you think it is more important. Maybe you do think it is more important than getting that task done around the house, getting that job done. And it's easy to put off work when you actually don't see it as important, right? If you're not seeing it as an important thing, then of course you're going to put it off because it's like, oh yeah, I'm not into that. I'm not, you know, a fan of that. But as Colossians 3.23 reminded us that if we remember who we are serving ultimately through our work, whatever task, big or small, even if it is something small at home, or if it is a big project that you need to do at school, or it is your Bible reading, ultimately we know that this is something God has entrusted to us, a responsibility to us that we can serve him in. And you guys might remember at Revival last year, last summer, we talked about taking dominion, right? In the book of Genesis. And remember those examples that Pastor Mike gave, how he was talking about training yourself in these areas now? Because it is likely that many of you guys in the room will be moms one day, will be wives one day, will be employees one day. And you want to take ownership, take dominion of the responsibilities God has given you. Take, take dominion over those things because God is going to hold us accountable for how we lived, how we did our work, how we used those things that he gave us. Did we do it to the best of our ability? Did we cut corners at work? Did we cut corners at school? Did we cheat our way through it all? Or did we serve the Lord Christ? Were we excited to do these tasks for his glory, to honor his name, to make him look good? Because ultimately we're going to answer to God with everything that he's given us. And how well did you steward those things that he's given to you? Because they're not even yours. 
ultimately, they're God's, right? He's given you these responsibilities. He's given you these tasks. All of you are in a similar stage of life, right? You're in seventh, eighth grade, you're in school, you're doing these things, you're at home, you know, and, um, but God has given you guys all different types of responsibilities. Some of you guys have big families. Some of you, it's just you at home. And so the responsibilities might look different. But whatever that is, you can serve God through those things. And you want to serve him well. <clears throat> In Proverbs 12, verse 11. Proverbs 12, verse 11. It says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bre bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And so this person that's working, this person who's out there on the field, he's getting the job done, he's providing, he's going to be fine. He's going to survive. He's going to have everything he needs because he put in the work. Whereas, excuse me, <coughs> whereas this person that's not working, this person that's not on top of it, he's going to suffer. He's going to suffer bad consequences because he didn't put the work in. And so guard yourself from the excuses. Guard yourself from these excuses you can use to avoid work so that you can get the work done. You want to get the work done to the glory of God. Have any of you guys seen the movie Zootopia? Zootopia. Anybody? Yes? Maybe? Show of hands. Um, lots of movies tonight. I just realized. Whoa, Disney movies too. <laughs> Zootopia. It's a classic, right? It's a good one. Came out a few years ago. Um, super cute movie. You might remember this scene where Officer Hops is, you know, trying to track down this criminal, right? She's like, who is this guy? Trying to figure him out. And she finally gets her hands on the license plate. And so in order to get more information on this criminal, on this potential threat, she's like, I got to run these license plates. Yeah, I got to run these plates. And so where does she do that? Well, she goes to the DMV. And if you guys remember who was working at the DMV, the slots, and they were so slow, right? And it's one of the funniest scenes, honestly, in the whole movie because it's kind of super realistic. <laughs> if you've ever been to the DMV, you know it's like a struggle. It's like slow as molasses, just hard getting in and out in a quick manner. It just doesn't happen. Be prepared to be there for like three hours. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you see in this scene that Officer Hops is like super frustrated because she's like, just say it. Two, she's like trying to get the numbers down, you know, trying to get the information down. And she's just frustrated because this sloth is like slow poke, slow as a snail, because he's a sloth, right? He's slow, obviously. Um, and you feel for her, right? Because maybe you've been in those situations. Maybe you've been to the DMV and you know that it's just like, oh, come on, guys, speed it up. I want to I wanna get to it. And obviously you know that you would not want a sloth to be working for you. And Officer Hops clearly felt this way too. She didn't want a sloth working for her. Um, and you don't want to be this sloth either. Like we talked about, God willing, many of you guys in this room are going to be employees one day, are going to be wives one day, are going to be maybe even grandmas one day. I mean, just think about that. And you don't want to be that slothful person. You don't want to be that person that always breaks trust, that never keeps their word, that just always is notorious for being late, being delayed, not getting the job done, doing it half-heartedly. You don't want to be that sloth. 
And so we need to learn from this example of the ant tonight by guarding ourselves from those excuses, by looking to the scriptures and holding on to those truths that I need to be self-disciplined. I need to be hardworking in my efforts because I know who I'm serving ultimately. And so we're going to talk about that in small groups tonight of how we can work like that ant, how we can avoid those excuses. And so let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Dear God, I just thank you for your word that is so clear that you want us to work. God, we know even in the beginning, in the garden, that you created work, that it is a good thing. It was before the fall even happened that you created this thing called work for us to take dominion of, for us to um, do our hard work at so that we can glorify God God, you in our efforts. And so, God, I just thank you for these passages tonight that remind us of how we ought to rethink this thing called work, rethink our laziness, and see it as sin, see it as a problem, see it as not something to laugh about, not something to joke about, but that we ought to work against, that we want to grow out of. God, and so I just pray tonight that you would please help these girls to identify the areas that they are making excuses. They are falling short. They are not keeping their word. They're cutting corners. God, that you would please help them, that they would glorify God, that they would glorify you, that they would work like this ant, that they would stop with the excuses, and that they would be a great example of a hardworking, godly woman. Lord, I just pray that you would do that work tonight. Pray that you would please allow us to have great discussions in our small groups and that we wouldn't just hear your word, but that we would do it, but that we would respond rightly so that we can be more like you, God. And so I thank you for this time together and pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.